so this is our first Advent series. And as I said, it's hard to believe that in two weeks, less than two weeks, it's going to be Christmas. Um, and, uh, and another thing that I was thinking about, which is kind of hard to believe, it was about maybe two years-ish ago that we first heard the word coronavirus. Remember that? Remember when we first, you know, I don't know, it depends upon how much of a news junkie you are. I remember first hearing about it around this time. I was hearing reports of something coming out of, you know, Asia, a thing that was happening. I remember in like January reading an article about, because it was really, you know, happening all over Asia, about this large church in Singapore that wasn't allowed to meet because of the coronavirus. It wasn't even called COVID then, it was coronavirus. And, uh, and so um, they'd shut down churches and had gone to all like live stream. I remember having a conversation with Grimaldi in like January, so like, dude, are, are we equipped to go all live stream if we had to do that? And he's like, we could do it. We'd have to purchase a couple things. I said, purchase a couple things because it just seemed like this is, you know, this is coming. Then it hit Italy and we heard about it. And then by March, we all knew about it, right? And so um, our world has really changed a lot over the last two years. Like we just stop and think about how much the world has changed. Um, there's more, statistically, there's more anxiety. There's more depression. There were more suicide attempts than, than ever before. The, the Surgeon General, I don't know if you saw in the news this week, he released a report uh, stating that's like this concern for adolescents uh, because over the last two years, there's really been a spike in mental health issues among adolescents. Here's some of the statistics that came out of that report. Uh, one third of high school students and half of girls report feeling persistent feelings of sadness and hopelessness. So I think if you look at the stats, it seems like half of girls, probably a quarter of guys, put that together. It's a third of all, of all um, uh, high school students or teenagers don't just occasionally feel sad or hopeless. They have persistent feelings of that. That is a 40% increase from two years ago. Uh, trips to the ER for suicide attempts rose 51% for adolescent girls over the last two years. That's really alarming. Uh, currently now, one in five people take antidepressants for anxiety, for depression. That's going up. Uh, I don't need to tell you about, you know, I mean, the political division that we're living with, the economy, the, the inflation is higher than it's been for 40. There's, there's just, there's a lot that's going on, right? I mean, I think we can all say as we come into this Christmas season, there's a lot. There's a lot that we're all dealing with. And so what is the answer to this? What is the answer to all this? Because politicians are trying to come up with an answer and, and psychologists are trying to come up with an answer and educators are trying to come up with an answer. What I want to remind us of, and this may sound reductionistic, but stay with me and I, hopefully you'll see where I'm coming from, is I want to remind us that the answer to all of this was born 2,000 years ago in a manger. And so my, uh, but the title of this message is just simply the peace of God. And so I want to read a very well-known Christmas passage of Scripture. You know, I've done Advent messages, you know, two or three or four a year for like 25 years. So I've preached this passage a lot. I'm going to come at it a little bit differently than I have in the past. But let's read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 to 14. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. 
He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And so I want to zero in on that verse, on that last verse, this announcement from the angels. It says, it says here, it says that there was a great company. Other translations say a great multitude. The Greek word, what it really suggests is imagine MetLife Stadium packed, right? 80,000 people like screaming their guts out. That's what the shepherds saw in the heavens, like a multitude, like thousands upon thousands of angels making this announcement. Glory to God in the highest, peace uh, on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. But before I get into that, I want to I draw attention to one thing. If you have the, you could open up your app and there's fill in the blank notes and scripture passages and an outline. You can play, those of you, you know, at home, you can play along, win cash prizes. Um, and, uh, and so my first point is that Jesus is the true savior of the world. He's the true savior of the world. The reason I bring that out here is because it starts off, it says, it says basically when, when Caesar Augustus was in charge. It mentions Caesar Augustus in the beginning, mentions Quirinius, who was a governor, well-known governor. He was, the reason Luke includes Quirinius is because everybody knew who Quirinius was. We could find there's a lot of extra biblical information about Quirinius. He was a pretty well-known, you know, well-known person. And so you have, you have in the days when Caesar Augustus was emperor, just remember, this was not, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. This all happened in the real world, in recorded history, when real people were ruling and were in charge. And so Caesar Augustus was Caesar Octavian. He was the grandnephew of Julius Caesar, which means he was the, the grandson of Julius Caesar's sister. And so Julius Caesar did not have any male heirs. And so he wanted one because he was Caesar. And so he adopted Caesar Octavian. And so he adopted him as a son, and so Caesar Octavian became Caesar Augustus, became the, the, probably the greatest emperor of all the Roman emperors, and ruled over the Roman Empire at its zenith, at its height. And there was a lot of religious beliefs associated with Caesar Augustus' reign, right? It was believed that he had divine powers. Uh, he was referred to as a son of the gods. Um, he was called the savior of the Roman Empire. He was called the bringer of peace. Because at the time, right, especially the zenith of the Roman Empire, there was the Pax Romana. Because the Romans, they were so powerful, they were so large and in charge, that nobody messed with them. Nobody attacked them, because if they did, they'd be squashed. And so there was this peace that was there, because nobody messed with Rome. Uh, people celebrated his birthday as a religious holiday. And to celebrate the birthday of Caesar Augustus, they gave gifts to each other. And when you were announcing the birth of Caesar Augustus, like reminding people of that holiday, you were proclaiming the gospel. 
Because gospel means good news. The evangelion just simply means good news. So, so Caesar Augustus was this person who was said to be divine, is called the savior of the world, brings peace to the world supposedly. His birthday is a holiday and the announcement of that, of that birth is called the gospel. So this is not just a nice little manger scene. This is not just something so you can have this little, you know, crash and you put baby Jesus out at Christ, you know, on Christmas Eve and it's so nice and maybe you put it on your lawn. It's so, much, it's so much more than that. This was a declaration that the kingdom of God was invading the kingdom of this world and this was a challenge to all the rulers and authorities of this world. The, mo- you know, the, the foremost at the time was Caesar Augustus because the kingdom of God came into that manger like the most out-of-the-way place, right? So this manger, I mean this barn, and Jesus is laid in a feeding trough. The announcement of this incredible event wasn't to kings and queens and the powerful. It was to shepherds. Shepherds were the lowest on the social hierarchy. They're the ones who came to, to worship Jesus, you know, who his birth was announced to them. So it was like literally like the most unimportant people in the middle of nowhere. But because the kingdom of God was invading this world, it set off a series of events. And it set off a series of events. In 300 years, the Roman Empire will be no more. And Christians will be spreading all over the earth. And it's going and it's continued to reverberate throughout the centuries, leading to what John the Apostle saw when he got a vision of the future. And he saw this in Revelation 11:5. It says, Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. Caesar Augustus, his reign came to an end. Alexander the Great, his reign came to an end. The Roman Empire came to an end. Charlemagne the Great, his reign came to an end. Genghis Khan came to an end. The British Empire came to an end. The Soviet Union came to an end. The United States of America one day will come to an end. But Jesus, that baby who was born 2,000 years ago, to challenge and to directly confront the power brokers of this world, he will reign forever and ever and ever, and his kingdom will never come to an end because he is the true savior of the world. And so let's zero in on, again, I'll read verse 14, glory to God in the highest, the multitude of angels, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And so... My second point, and what I want to zero in on, is that our greatest need is peace. If you think about it, what the angels announced is the greatest need of human beings, right? We need peace. Think about peace on earth, right? There hasn't been peace on earth, like in the whole history of the world. Maybe going all all the way back to the Garden of Eden before there was peace on earth. That didn't even last too long. There was a, a, there's a journal called the Personnel Journal, and they were, they was for like managers and businesses, and they had an article about peace, and they said this, this was a few years ago, it says, since the beginning of recorded history, the world has been at peace less than 8% of the time. The study revealed that out of the 3,530 years of recorded history, only 236 of those years have seen peace on earth. So what the angels were announcing is something that is like not, you know, it's pretty, pretty short supply. There have been so many, there have been thousands and thousands of peace treaties that have been made and have been broken. Probably one of the most famous was, came out of the Munich Conference in 1938. So in 1938, Germany was rising up, Hitler was powerful, the, the war drums were beating. 
And so Neville Chamberlain, the Prime Minister of England, went to Munich to meet with Hitler. And so he came back to England after this meeting, and he said this, We regard the agreement signed last night in the Anglo-German Naval Agreement as symbolic of the desire of our two peoples never to go to war with one another again. My good friends, for the second time in our history, a British Prime Minister has returned from Germany bringing peace with honor. I believe it is peace for our time. Go home now and get a quiet, a nice quiet sleep. And so all of England went home and they had a nice quiet sleep. And literally, like that night while England was sleeping, Germany was building up their armies on the, uh, on the border of Poland getting ready to invade. There was no, was no peace for our time. I did a little bit of a, a dive this week into what kind of conflicts are going on in the world in 2021. And so there are four major conflicts that have been going on, four major wars that have been going on in the world in 2021. We don't hear about all this because I don't know if you ever noticed, like if you watch ABC News or CBS News or NBC, you ever notice it's like the same five things, they all cover the same, it's so weird, like who decides what they cover? So you may not have heard about a lot of this, but there's four things, four conflicts that have gone on in the world this year where there's been over 10,000 casualties. One was Afghanistan, and we know about that. Uh, another was uh, Ethiopia, so you may not have heard about that. Another was Yemen, and then there was Mexico, because the drug war, the war against the cartels, there's a lot of casualties in that. And then on top of that, there are 18 countries that have seen war this year, uh, 18 that have somewhere between 1,000 and 10,000 uh, casualties. And so we see, and the, you know, as far as geopolitical nation states are concerned, there's no peace. But we think about our own lives. It's really hard for us now to, like, when we leave our homes, it's really hard for us to come into peaceful places. Thought about that? Maybe, maybe actually even in your home. Because the reality is there's a lot of conflict. When we leave our house, there seems to be more conflict than, than any other time. We live in a very litigious society. There are over 100 million lawsuits filed in the United States every single year. It's a lot of lawsuits. There's one divorce every three, 36 seconds. Political ideology. I mean, things have changed, right? It used to be that if you were conservative and somebody was liberal, you could agree to disagree. You could be friends. You could hang out. Kind of not anymore, right? I mean, the way that, the way that things are now is that if you're, if you're on the right, you can't be friends with people on the left and vice versa because, you, you know, they're, they're not just people who disagree with you. They're, they're bad. And so, you know, you can't be friends with them on Facebook, you block them on Facebook, you don't necessarily want to hang out with them, maybe you don't invite them over to the holidays, you only hang out with people who think the same way that you do politically. That's kind of what's happening in our world, it's fraught, there's a lot of tension. Then think about COVID stuff. I mean, the whole, how many of you have seen uh, a video, like a YouTube video, of somebody losing their mind because the flight attendant was telling them to wear a mask on the plane? I mean, they're just, there's all sorts of, you know, probably some of you have even seen that happen, like, in real life. And then you have the whole thing of, like, vaccinated, unvaccinated. It's just gone beyond, like, like health, and it's turned into this thing. There's just so much tension. There's so much, there's so much that's going on. And, and then there, Gallup came out with a poll that said 57% of Americans say that race relations are really bad, that they're worse than they've been. That's the highest, as long as they've been taking these polls, that's the highest percentage in years. And so we live in a world that lacks peace. There's, not a, there's a lot of external conflict, but external conflict isn't our only problem. 
the, uh, the Roman Stoic philosopher Epictetus. He was a, a first century philosopher. He was a contemporary of Christ. And he philosophized during the time of Caesar Augustus, during the Pax Romana. And he said this. He said, while the emperor may give peace from war on land and sea, he is unable to give peace from passion, grief, and envy. He cannot give peace of heart, for which man yearns more than... All right, uh, people, everyone know, listen, I'm busy on Sunday mornings. Don't call me. All right. Um, he, cannot, he cannot give peace of heart for which man's yearns more than even for outward peace. And so we've got a world that's full of conflict, but we also have hearts that are full of conflict. We have anxiety and we have envy and we have all sorts of stuff that's going on. But the word that's translated peace, what these angels announce, peace on earth, it's the, it's the Hebrew word shalom. And this is a word that was very important to the Jewish people. They would use it for both hello and goodbye. And it didn't just mean the absence of conflict. What they were wishing the person, when they said shalom, they're wishing a deep sense of satisfaction and security that results from life-giving relationships. Shalom describes a sense of well-being, of wholeness, that you would feel when everything's right with the world. It expresses the way things ought to be, that things will be whole, things will be healthy, that you'll have delight, that you'll have joy. But we're not experiencing a lot of that in 2021. And so why is that? And so a couple thoughts on why we are not seeing the peace that the angels promised. My, my third point is that we don't have peace on earth because we're not willing to live for the glory of God. We don't have peace on earth because we're not willing to live for the glory of God. Luke 2.14, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. Do you see how this goes together? Oh my goodness. Hold on. No, I'm not going to answer it. It's probably somebody from the live stream messing with me. All right. Airplane mode. We're good. So do you see how this goes together? Right? Glory to God in the highest and then peace on earth. So the peace is connected to the glory of God. So we can have all the peace summits we want to have. We can talk about peace. We can sing songs about peace. We can promise peace. But as long as we're refusing to glorify God, our world is not going to know peace. We're not going to know the shalom that God has for us. See, and it makes sense, right? So we were designed to live with, with shalom. God wants you to have shalom, the sense of wholeness, the sense that everything's right. But the only way we're going to get shalom is if we're living the way God designed us to live. The way we're designed to live is with God at the center. We're to put him first. We're to glorify him. He goes in, we're, he's like the sun, and we're the planets and the satellites that are orbiting around the sun. He's got to be the center. And see, as long as we're not willing to do that, it doesn't matter how much we want peace. We're not going to have peace. Because, you see, what has happened is rather than having God in the center, what we've done is we put ourselves in the center. We human beings, we sit on the throne of our hearts and we say we're at the center. And our lives is about self-will and our life is about self-preservation and our life is about self-fulfillment and selfishness is kind of what's emanating from our life. That's what the, when the Bible talks about, about our sinful nature, that's really what the Bible is talking about, this, this pull that we have to the self. And so as long as we're all just kind of living for ourselves, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be, there's going to be problems. Now, if you lived on a desert island all by yourself, You'd probably have some internal conflict. You'd be lonely, but you wouldn't have external conflict. 
Right? But now you have a world where we've got billions of people and every people are not glorifying God and they're living for themselves. So, of course, there's going to be all sorts of conflict. There's going to be all sorts of problems. James 4, verses 1 to 2 says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. And so, until we start glorifying God, there isn't going to be shalom. There isn't going to be peace. My, my fourth point is that, let me see, one, two, yeah, is that true peace only comes when our lives are connected to Jesus Christ. True peace only comes when our lives are connected to Jesus Christ. Let me read verse 14 again. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now other translations say those with whom he is pleased. So the question is, if we want peace, How do we become pleasing to God? See, people think that the peace that the angels announce is peace between people. That's actually not the peace that the angels are announcing. I think one of the things that's made this a little bit hard for us to understand is the Charlie Brown Christmas special. How many of you guys have seen the Charlie Brown Christmas? I love the Charlie Brown Christmas special. I think it was made in the year that I was born. So I've watched it like every year of my life. And so... um, so remember, Charlie Brown, you know, he's having a Charlie Brown Christmas. He's not happy. And he, and he cries out. He says, can anyone, I'll try to do the Charlie Brown voice. Can en- I'll do the dance. No. Can anyone tell me what Christmas is all about? And so Linus chimes in. And what Linus says is, it's about peace on earth and goodwill towards man. But that's actually, that's not what the text says. And then he reads this whole text, but that's not what the text says. Right? It says, it says, peace is to those on whom his favor rests. So Linus missed the point. See, Jesus did not come primarily to give us peace with one another. He came to bring us peace with God. And what he actually warned us about a lot is he said, listen, if you're glorifying God, if you have peace with God, if you put God in the center of your life, and you're living in a world where no one else is doing that, or very few other people are doing that, you putting me first could actually lead to more conflict, right? He said this in Matthew 10, 34, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, I never saw that Christmas card, right? Little baby Jesus in the manger with a huge broadsword. I haven't, I haven't seen that because he didn't come primarily, it was primary objective, wasn't to bring peace between people, but was to bring peace between us and God. Romans 5.1, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So peace, shalom, is the product of God's salvation through Jesus Christ. Peace to those with whom he is pleased. See, that's the greatest need that you have in your life, whether you realize it or not. Bible says that our sins have separated us from God. That we're alienated from God, we're alienated from our Creator, and Jesus came to destroy the wall that separates us from God. Remember when Jesus died on the cross, there was the Holy of Holies, this big thick curtain that made it so people couldn't just go into the Holy of Holies where God dwelt. Well, when Jesus died, that veil was torn from top to bottom because Jesus made a way for all of our selfishness, all of our sins, all of the ways that we've hurt people, all the things that we've done are dealt with. He came to to restore our relationship with God, to give us shalom, to give us peace between us and God. See, now you're on good terms with God. The biggest issue in your life has been dealt with. It says in Ephesians 2.14, Christ himself is our peace. And so we think that peace is found in circumstances. 
We think that shalom comes like if everything's going good in our life, but that's not where, police com- uh, where peace comes from. Peace comes from Jesus. Peace is found in the person of Jesus Christ. And without Jesus, we can't produce a sense that things are the way they are supposed to be. Now, that might, that might sound like a bold statement, but think about it, right? I don't think that shalom is possible without Jesus. And that what I mean by that is I don't think that we can have a deep satisfaction with life, deep fulfillment, deep joy, a deep sense of wholeness. Now, I'm not saying that somebody can't experience those things apart from Christ, right? You have, everyone has some joyful moments. They have some moments where everything feels good, where it's like, I'm fulfilled, things are good. But you see, here's the thing. We know those moments don't last, right? And so what happens as we get older We realize that like one day we're feeling joy, but then the next day something happens, right? There's a car accident or there's a phone call or there's a diagnosis or there's a stock market crash or there's a whatever. We know that these feelings that we have are fleeting. And so because of our experience, we we can have like glimpses, we can have moments, but we can't have what shalom is, which is that deep abiding sense that everything's good because you know what we've experienced too much we know that it doesn't last we know that you know often now we're just kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop and so as we become older we can become more cynical as we become older we can kind of lower our sense of expectations because we know from the pain of life we know that good things don't always last see here here's the reality God will allow people to have a lot of things apart from himself. Like if you were to say, I don't care about God, I don't believe in God, I don't want to center my life on God, there's a lot of things that you can have. God will allow you to be successful, right? There's lots of successful people who don't give God a second thought. God will allow you to become wealthy. God will give you you know, athletic abilities or or an incredible singing voice or different abilities so you can win Super Bowls or you can win Academy Awards. You can climb the corporate ladder, get to the very top. You can purchase your dream home and settle into your dream home and then purchase your vacation dream home on top of that. So you don't need to center your life on Jesus to gain political power. You don't need to center your life on Jesus to squash your competitors in business to have beauty, wealth, and fame. God will let you have all kinds of things apart from himself. But the one thing that you can never have apart from Jesus is shalom. You can't have it. It's not available. That deep sense. Now listen, I've been following Jesus for, I think it's about 37 years. And I, you know, do it imperfectly, trying to center my life on Jesus. And, and, you know, my attitude these days is just like, I know Jesus has the words of life. Where else am I going to go? So like all my, you know, chips are in the center of the table. I'm going all in on Jesus. And my experience has been, is that I have experienced increasing shalom in my life. I still have a way to go. But I would say, you know, I, more often than not, I have, I have a joy that kind of carries me through. I have purpose that carries me through. I do have a sense of fulfillment, of wholeness. But it's not because I haven't experienced bad things. I've experienced a lot of hard things. I mean, even this year, I've experienced some hard things, difficulties in family, all, all sorts of disappointments and, and hard things. But you see, because I know my life is connected to Jesus... Remember when Jesus in John 15, he says, if you abide in me, right, you're, he's the branch and we're the vine. If we're connected to the branch, right, we're going to bear fruit. 
And part of the fruit that you bear when you're connected to Jesus is shalom, is this sense of wholeness. Because when bad things happen to me, and they do happen, I'm like, well, you know what? Jesus said that in this world you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Right? Jesus has promised that he's never going to leave me or forsake me. Yeah, boy, this circumstance is really difficult. This is something I never thought I'd have to deal with. But I know that Jesus isn't going to leave me. I know that he's not going to forsake me. I know that one day, you know, soon and very soon, I am going to see the king. I know that one day I will see Jesus face to face, and he will wipe every tear from my eye. And so what that enables me to live with is a sense of shalom. That like, all right, man, yeah, this is hard. Yeah, this is painful. But deep down in my core, deep down in my gut, I'm good. I'm good. Because, you know, think about Peter, right? Remember that famous account when Peter's trying to walk on the water and, 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 and he's walking on the water while he has his eyes on Jesus, but then he notices the winds and the waves and then he gets nervous and then he starts to sink and Jesus has to lift him out. See, that, that's what we do. As long as we keep our eyes on Jesus, as we keep our eyes on the one who was born 2,000 years ago, keep your eyes on the winds and the waves are there. Like, you've experienced hard things in 2021. You're going to experience hard things in 2022. I mean, there's like life happens, but when you're connected to Jesus, when you're connected, when you center your life on him, when, when you come to that place where you realize Jesus is my peace, and your peace isn't connected to circumstances, but it's connected to the one who promises he'll never leave you or forsake you. The one who promises, who says, I know you inside and out. I know you better than you know yourself, and I love you with an everlasting love. When you realize you're that secure, when you realize, like I love to say all the time, we are safe and secure in the kingdom of God, we can experience shalom. And there's no other way to get it. There really isn't. If you're not, get, if you're not looking to Jesus, if you're looking to circumstances, you can have moments that you enjoy, but you won't have shalom because you know that tomorrow the things that are giving you joy might not be there. But when, we're, when our joy comes from Jesus, when our peace, when our shalom comes from Jesus, we know that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we know that he is coming into a kingdom and his rulership and his reign will, will go on forever and ever and ever. And we are connected to that kingdom. So we're good. We can have peace. We can have shalom. See, here's what, what, what God says about, about the shalom, about the peace that he wants to have in our life. It says this, Isaiah 66, 12. For this is what the Lord says. I will extend peace to her like a river and the wealth of nations like a flooding stream. You will nurse and be carried on her arm and dandled on her knees. I thought that was a typo, dandled. I'd never heard, I, I, I feel like I know a lot of words. I'd never heard dandled, but that's actually what the text said. I think it just means like bouncing on your knee. But you see, that's God's heart for you. He wants there to be peace like a river. And so I, I believe that whatever it is, whatever is going on in your life right now, whatever is causing you fear, whatever is causing you anxiety, whatever is making you unsettled, whatever is robbing you of joy, whatever is taking away that shalom, I think once this service is over in a couple of minutes, your circumstances aren't going to be different. But if you can change your perspective, your experience of shalom could be completely different. You can find peace in the midst of the storm. You can find that you're experiencing that peace like a river. 
and it just keeps flowing because your life is centered on Jesus. You're living for the glory of God. You realize that the one who was born 2,000 years ago in a manger, not only was there, was born to challenge the, the, the political structures of this day, but was born so that you could have peace because he's the prince of peace, because he's the God of peace. And he wants each and every one of us and this isn't like a word from the Lord. This is like a word, you know, from the, from the Lord. He wants each and every one of us to experience more peace than we're currently experiencing. He wants us to. I think that especially in this time, in this day, in this age, if the people of God can live from that deep sense of shalom, right? Living lives, like, I, you know, I, I, I say often, like God wants us to live lives that don't make any sense. Right? The people in your life, they'll be like, all this stuff's going on. There's like this, you know, there's this like new variant. There's the 232nd variant and there's this, that, and the other thing. You know, how do you have peace? And we say, well, let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the one who my life is, my life is anchored to. Let me tell you the difference that he makes. We can live lives that don't make any sense. And one of the things I, I think God's heart for us is that we would manifest this peace, this shalom in our life. Because we're connected to Jesus, because the barriers are down between us and God, because peace like a river can flow. And, and, and it was a very interesting thing. When Jesus sent out his disciples, he gave them this, this, uh, these directions. He said, when you go into a house, and if they receive you in this house, because they were like, you know, vagabonds, they were staying with people. And he said, let your peace rest on them. But if people are, if they're like, yeah, we don't want you around, like leave and take your peace with you. So it almost seems like peace, like this shalom, is a kind of almost like a commodity that we have. It's this thing that we get to carry around with us. And I would love for our church to be a place where it's just full of people who are, are centering our lives on Jesus, living for the glory of God, the peace of shalom. The shalom of God is just penetrating deeper and deeper into our lives so that when we come together, God's shalom, God's peace is over our life groups, is over our, you know, food distributions in the parking lot, is over our worship services. And people who are living life with so much anxiety and so much fear, they may not even understand what we're talking about or singing about, but they'll sense this shalom. They'll sense the peace of God and that God will, will lift up Jesus and draw all people to himself. And so let's stand together. And I just want to pray for you that you will leave here today with a greater sense of shalom, with a greater sense of God's peace. Not again, not because your circumstances have changed, but because your perspective has changed, because you're looking to Jesus. You're looking to the Prince of Peace. So let's close our eyes, and I want you to just dial up to your mind, become aware of whatever it is that's going on in your life that's robbing you of shalom. Maybe it's a relationship that's really difficult, that's really painful. Maybe there's just this, this fear that you have, like you have this fear of what people think about you, and there's this social anxiety that you, that you live with, and it really is just holding you back. Look to Jesus. Look to the one who knows you inside and out and says, you are mine, I love you, you're my beloved. And realize that, that his opinion, his view of you is the only one that matters. And then maybe you can experience more of a shalom. 
Maybe there's, you know, financial pressure that you're dealing with and it's just so hard and Christmas is here and you don't have money to buy gifts for people and it's just so stressful. Look to Him. He's the one He promises to supply all of our needs according to His riches in Christ Jesus. And if there's a season right now where, where it sometimes feels like there's not enough, I promise you there's a future for you of abundance. There's a future of, of the prosperity and the joy and the blessings that God has for you in His kingdom. Whatever it is, whatever it is that's making you afraid, whatever it is that's causing anxiety, whatever it is that's making you feel unfulfilled, that's making you feel like something's a little bit off in your life, that you just don't have that sense of wholeness, Look to Jesus. And Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus. I pray that your shalom, God, would flow in this place like a river. God, we give you our restless hearts. We give you the anxiety. We give you the fear. We give you all the stuff that happens because of the winds and the waves that are blowing all around us. Lord, we look to you, the Prince of Peace. And I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that God's peace would be upon you that God's hope would be in you, that his love would just just be wrapped all around you, and that as you look to him, that you would experience the shalom of God. So come, Holy Spirit. Lead us into your peace. And if you're here this morning, and there's still that barrier between you and God, you see why Jesus came 2,000 years ago was so that the biggest need you have in your life, you may not even be aware that this is your biggest need, but it is. Your biggest need is to be reconciled with God. And Jesus paid the price on the cross so you can be reconciled to God. So that you can begin to live in the shalom, the peace that God has for you. And if you're ready to be reconciled to God, just pray this prayer. You don't have to say it out loud, just say it in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus... I need you in my life. I've been doing life on my own. And I don't want to do that anymore. I believe you died on the cross in my place. I believe you rose from the dead. And that you're here right now. And I ask that you forgive all of my sins. Tear down the wall of separation. I accept your free gift of salvation. And I ask that you come and live inside of me through your Holy Spirit. And teach me what it means to be a Christian. Teach me what it means to live for your glory. Because you're in charge of my life now. Just keep your eyes closed. But if you prayed that prayer, just raise your hand. If you prayed that prayer, let me just see. Just raise your hand. Okay, awesome. I'm going to ask you to do one other thing. If you got a physical connection card, you can check off on the back that you decided to become a follower of Jesus. If you do that, I'm going to send you some stuff in the mail this week that will help you. Uh, if you don't have the card, you can text FOLLOW to 201-584-7188, and there'll be a field that will come up, and you can just fill out that field, and then we'll do the same thing. We'll send you some stuff in the mail this week. All right, we're going to have some people from the prayer ministry team come over here, be ready to pray for people. There's all sorts of things we can get prayer for, but, but let me just say, if you know that there's, like, there's something in your life that's keeping you from experiencing the shalom of God, let someone pray for you today. Let them lay hands on you and bless you with peace that God's shalom will be imparted to you in a greater way. All right? God bless you guys. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week.